Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, you can do better than that. Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Bethany. I want to welcome you all this morning. So glad that each of you are here. Uh, I know many of you have come to hear this story, and I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, but you put a microphone on me, and you give me a Bible, and give me some time. I'm going to preach at you a little bit, uh, but only for just a few minutes, okay? I promise you we're going to get to this story. But I want to set this story up, first of all, to say uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, I want to acknowledge, though, that on Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day can be a, a day of great pain. Uh, If you are a person who uh, has lost a child, if maybe you had an abortion and you're feeling some guilt and some shame about that, maybe your relationship with your mom is broken and you wish that you had that, or maybe your mom passed away and so you're struggling with some of that, I just want to acknowledge that first first and foremost, and I I just pray, my words will fall far far short of being able to bring healing there, but I pray that God uh, will bring that healing because I know that God can. And the story that we're about to share with you has a lot of brokenness and a lot of heartache. We celebrate the end story, but throughout that story, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of heartache. And I want to share a passage with you as we set this story up. Uh, And it comes out of Isaiah chapter 61. As we sat and as I sat with the families last Saturday and we began to get ready for this interview, uh, this passage uh, was one that kind of rose to the surface. And this is what it says. Now, this is God speaking about the nation of Israel, but I think it applies to us. So listen uh, as I share this with you. Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is speaking about Jesus Christ and the one who is to come. But the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're brokenhearted, the Lord wants to heal that. To proclaim freedom from the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And as I think of this story and the brokenness that comes out of the backstory, but then the anointing that the Lord has put on this story and, and the restoration and how he's restored it, he's restored uh, what was broken, what was lost. And the splendor of the Lord is put on display in this story. And I recognize that not everybody's story might look like this, but I encourage you to look at it as a picture of what God is bringing uh, to us. So without further ado, let me invite the ladies out. Uh, I can see that you're excited for me to sit down and be quiet and bring them out here and talk because they, they do a far better job than I do. So here they are. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you, all of you. Uh, of course, I know you, and many of the people out here know you, but there's a possibility that some uh, are here that don't know you at all, other than that video that we just played. So we just, to start out, let's just introduce uh, each of you. You can introduce yourselves and say a little bit about yourself. Me first? Sure. You can go first, Lisa. I am Lisa Shea, and I gave birth to Amy <laughs> 35 years ago. Sorry. Oh, um, I'm Amy Epinette, and um, I am the biological daughter of Lisa and the adopted daughter of Sandy. And I'm Sandy Wrights, the mother, the adopted mother of Amy, and we've had her since she's six days old. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's jump right in here, uh, just jump right into the story. So, Lisa, uh, you find yourself, uh, as a 16-year-old girl, as you say in the video, you find yourself pregnant. Uh, can you walk us through... 
uh, kind of that decision to place Amy up for adoption and how, how you came to that place? Um, really, I have to give thanks to the pastor of our church at the time um, that led my parents and I to Bethany Christian Services um, to receive really good counsel and encouragement. Um, they were willing to walk me through parenting a baby and also making a plan for adoption for my baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, there's a quote that your mom had shared. Uh, so your mom had shared a letter uh, with us, and, and I thought rather than reading the entire letter, I thought what we would do is just share uh, pieces of it where it hits in the story. And so this was, this was from your mom, uh, Mary. She says, remembering uh, the day in January of 1982 uh, when my 16-year-old daughter came to me crying, saying, Mom, I'm pregnant. What are we going to do? I remember well the shock that I felt in saying to myself and to her, I don't know what we're going to do. There were days following with stress and almost frantic feelings of helplessness while we tried to find counseling that would help her and guide us through those days. Uh, So in your search for counseling, you mentioned Bethany Christian Services. Uh, Can you talk maybe about how Bethany helped you? What was it that, what was the, what did you find was the biggest help uh, from them? Well, first of all, they didn't force me to make a decision that I wasn't willing or ready to make. My counselor at the time, Janet Lawrence, was so loving and caring and never made me feel guilty or shame um, for the situation that I had found myself in. Um, I don't remember a lot of details of the counseling. Um, However, I do know that they were incredibly supportive. And to this day, there's still a woman that is now retired from that office that I still keep in touch with and love dearly, Elaine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, One of the other things that your mom had said, and and I can only imagine, you know, we talk about um, the worst nightmare as a parent. Uh, And I wouldn't put this necessarily in that category because there's certainly things that could be far worse than this. But it is something as a parent that you... Uh, I have two girls, uh, they're, they're young yet, but I can't imagine them coming to me at 16 and saying, you know, Dad, I'm pregnant. And your mom hits on that in her letter. She says, I remember uh, well, uh, one dear pastor friend answered my anxious, almost frantic question. I don't know what to do. And his uh, dear and godly advice was this, Mary, all you have to do is love her. And she said, oh, I can do that. Um, <laughs> So she talks about the situation in your home being uh, anxious, almost frantic. I would ask the question, what did you fear the most during that time as you're making this decision about, uh, do I want to parent Amy? Do I want to put her up for adoption? What was, the, what was the biggest fear you were dealing with? I think just being 16 and feeling different in school, um, having people talk about me. There were four other girls pregnant at the time in yeah. school, and they were all making plans to parent their babies. So... As a 16-year-old girl, I think you're very self-conscious anyway and insecure. Um, And I think just the fear of having to make a decision, that either decision was going to be difficult, either decision was going to be painful at some level, um, and just feeling like I had really gotten myself into something that I couldn't just quickly fix or get out of. Um, So I think that was probably... And just the emotional part of just my social life at that time, too, was difficult. Right, right. And you had said that this decision to, to place Amy up for adoption was, was different than what the other girls had decided. There was, you said four other girls in your class that were facing the same thing you were, and you came back to school 
to a very different experience than what they did. Amy was born in August. I was a junior in high school when I was pregnant and went through almost the entire year pregnant. And Amy's birth in August, then I think, you know, we went back to sure. school just a couple weeks after. Yeah. And all of those kids um, who had parented their babies and other kids were, you know, curious about what, what did you name your baby? What did you have? What do you mean you didn't keep her? What do you mean you, you gave her away? Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. So... Sandy, what I want to do now is I want to move into your part of the story because as, as, um, as Amy comes into the world, you, you enter into the story here. And can you tell us uh, what was it that led you uh, to bring Amy? How did the Lord make, make that happen, that Amy became a part of your family? Well, we had been with um, the city of Philadelphia doing foster care and then switched to Bethany. And in a five-year period, we had eight babies. And so... Amy was one of those babies that was placed in our home, and we just were fostering. Yeah. That, that was our plan, was foster. We had three sons. Um, our oldest is 11 years older than Amy. Our youngest is seven years older than Amy. And so we had no thoughts of adoption at that point. We were, we were fostering as that was what the Lord had for us. Yeah. Yeah, so you're simply, when we were talking, one of the things you had said was you were simply trying to be obedient to what you felt like the Lord was asking you to do. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, you, you, you enter into this foster care and, and you're doing exactly what you feel the Lord is doing, telling you to do. And then all of a sudden this opportunity comes uh, to just be faithful again in obedience and actually uh, this time adopt Amy. And, and can you speak to that? Uh, Amy was supposed to uh, be placed... In January of 1983, there had been a family selected, uh, the way Bethany does it, and so we were called and said that there were some some things that that family could not uh, take Amy, and could we keep her longer until another family was found? And and I just said, well, we'll just keep her. <laughs> no big, we'll just keep her. And just as simple said, as that. We'll just, we'll just keep her. Yeah. And we were, they said to me, well, you're fostering, not adopting. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, but we'd keep her. Yeah. And so the plan was made, and I'm not sure what the span of time was, but yeah. we went to, the, went to Bethany's office where two of the directors from Grand Rapids were in, and their plan was that one of the offices would have a family ready for placement, and so they would work on that and do the placement. That afternoon, about 3 o'clock, we got a phone call, and they said, are you ready to be parents again? And I said, what? And they said, are you ready to be parents again? And we have prayed about it and talked about it and believe that God would have her to be your daughter. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't... Um, Amy, you've talked about, I think, did you have four surgeries so you had four surgeries within the span. How long was that span? Um, Do you remember? It would have been uh, three months old, seven years old, 16 years old, and 21 years old. Okay. So four surgeries over a span of uh, 17 years or something like that. Okay. Um, so, Sandy, when you, when you make this decision, when you and Roger make this decision to adopt her, there's something that's really amazing that happened within the, within the story about that first surgery, I think it was. Uh, and, and you had talked to me about that. Can you speak to that a minute? Um, her first surgery was that we need, the babies at that point in time needed to be 
three, 10 pounds and three months. Yeah. And the first surgery was the initial closure of her cleft. Yeah. And we were just kind of in the system, which is what foster children are. Sure. And we had gone to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia for, for clinic and saw the doctor that we were given. And a few weeks later, we were at our pediatrician's. And he said, so who did you see? Who's doing her surgery? And I told him, and he said, what? And he rattled off this guy's full name, and I said, yeah, I think that's him. And he said, well, how did you get him? He's the head of facial reconstruction. And I said, I don't know. That's just who they gave us. <laughs> just an amazing part, little part of the story there that, you know, that God was protecting you through that time and, and providing for you in that way. It's just a really cool part of the story uh, that I thought we should highlight. Um, let's talk a, a second about uh, how the adoption happened. I mean, it was a closed adoption, and maybe uh, Lisa and Sandy, you could speak to, to that, um, just uh, why the decision to be closed, how was it beneficial um, for, that, for that to happen? I guess looking back, um, I'm sure I was given a choice, but I don't remember if I was given a choice or not at the time in 1982. I just knew that for me, the best choice for me was to go through the pregnancy, yeah. give birth, and let Amy go be with her family. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to see her at birth. It was, mm -hmm. I felt it would be too, too painful for yeah. me. Um, and so all these years, I can honestly say that our closed adoption was really a blessing from many angles. For me, I had peace. The Lord gave me information and things along the way through people that I knew who worked at Bethany that gave me enough peace to know that God had hand chosen the perfect family for Amy. Um, and I never once regretted that I had placed her for adoption and I never once regretted that it was closed. Yeah. yeah. And I think for us, I don't think we were given a choice. I, and I, when I look back after hearing that question, I wonder if there weren't more closed than open adoptions at that time. Yeah, yeah. And Amy, how did, how did going through a closed adoption, how did that impact you? Because you've spoken to me about some of that. I wonder if you could just share it now. Yeah, I think um, looking back and, and for my personal journey, I think the timeline of my surgeries that I had um, and knowing some of the pain and hardship that Lisa had walked through in her life, mm -hmm. when I think back to that and think, okay, so that would have happened around this time in my life, and mm -hmm. I would have been exposed to X, Y, Z. Um, so for me, I feel one thing is that it really was another picture of God's mercy and mm -hmm. grace and protection over me, um, and also my family and my siblings, too, would mm -hmm. have been exposed. Sure. Um, and then I think just the other thing was that it allowed without knowing, because I was an infant mm -hmm. at adoption, but um, it allowed me to fully um, immerse with my family yeah. um, and just be totally blended with them. Um, yeah. And sometimes I do get questioned about, you know, well, are you upset with your parents that they never, you know, pushed the envelope to, to try to meet Lisa? And I can honestly say, and I know that every journey is very, very different. Mm -hmm. For me, I think that would have made me feel not part of the Wrights family. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so as we move through this story, um, there's something, we're talking about adoption, and of course in the church, adoption is celebrated, uh, and it should be, I think rightly so. 
the concept appears in the scriptures. You know, Romans talks about us being adopted as children of God, sons and daughters of God, and that we get to uh, take part in the inheritance of Christ, which is a really cool thing. Uh, but then also the scriptures talk about true religion is to look out, out for the widow and the orphan in James. And, and so you have this idea of, well, the greatest way that we can look out for the orphan is to bring them into our family, adopt them, that they would be ours, that they would take on our name, that they would share in everything that we have uh, is theirs as well. And so that's always the, the picture that I have as a pastor. I think about the, the end of it from the, the child coming into this adoptive family and being chosen uh, and yet, uh, Lisa, you shared something with me that really made me step back and think for a second. You know, we don't talk about this uh, enough, and that is you said that every adoption is the death of a relationship. Um, could you speak to that for a minute? Sure. Well, I would like to preface it by sure. saying I've always said to people, I am so eternally grateful for the people, because at the time I didn't know them, who were willing to take a risk and adopt a child. Um, and so I've always been thankful and grateful for that. But what comes with that when a, when a woman is pregnant and delivers a baby that she's not keeping to parent, that's a death. That is, um, you experience a grief, a deep, deep mm-hmm. loss because you've carried that baby within you for nine months. Yeah. And then you um, make a decision to just choose to release that baby. And that is a very painful experience for a woman to go through. Yeah. And not just, not just for the, the birth mom either. This was a part where I wanted to share another quote from your mom. Uh, and she said at the time of, of Amy's birth, this, is, this was her quote. She says, that baby was born, a beautiful little girl, and I held her in the hospital, gave her a bottle, saw her a second time, and said goodbye. And... For me, that just struck me of, you know, it wasn't just the death of your relationship with Amy, but then also the family uh, that lost that opportunity uh, to know her and be with her. So my big sister Mm -hmm. was with me when I delivered Amy. Mm -hmm. She was pregnant with her second child, Mm -hmm. Amy's cousin, Aaron, Mm -hmm. who's not with us today Mm -hmm. here. Um, that I, knowing now as a grown woman with children, I cannot imagine mm. the pain that my sister endured in watching her baby sister mm-hmm. deliver a child that she knew she would never know, never love, never get to witness cousins playing together. Mm. And I thank her for that selfless love that she showed me. Mm-hmm. But then my father, my mother, my brother, we all experienced loss in different ways. It impacted each of us so differently. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I believe I can speak for my sister and my mom that God has given us a tremendous amount of peace mm-hmm. and joy in knowing that he is sovereign, he is good, mm-hmm. and his plans never fail. Amen. Amen. I think the challenge that I took away from that, um, as you know, there, there's many times as a pastor, I've walked with families that are struggling with infertility, I've prayed with those families that God would give them a child. And, and that's, I think that that is right and appropriate in its place. Uh, but to remember and have grace for the other side of that, to realize that there is, there's a family that's also going through something extremely diff- difficult and there's a death of relationship on the other side of it. And I don't, think that, I don't think that we should stop praying for those things, but I think we just need to have grace for the other side and be aware that there's a different perspective um, 
as we enter into that, that type of uh, thing or that relationship. Well, let's fast forward now. I want to I speak uh, to um, just this reunion that's happened because I think that this has brought a lot of, a lot of joy and it's brought about a lot of interest. Uh, people are, are talking about how does this reunion take place and, and things like that. And so I wanted to ask you, Amy, maybe you can speak to uh, fill in the gap of, well, what, how did this reunion happen? What, what led you to reach out to, to Lisa? How did you meet each other? I mean, you didn't just run into each other at Walmart or something like that. There was, I mean, yeah. it really could Wait, have. Yeah. But, but there was something different that happened, uh, and yeah. maybe you could speak to that. Yeah, sure. So um, as I think it alluded in the video, that it's, I never harbored anger or bitterness or anything like that mm-hmm. towards Lisa, um, not knowing her name, but just, just referring to her as my birth mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I got older, um, I would think about it sometimes, um, but I would be offended if people, like in my college days, if people would say, refer to Lisa as my real mom and uh, my mom mm-hmm. as my adopted mom. That would actually offend me. Sure. Um, and it was no, you know, no dig on Lisa. I just felt like I don't even know her. Like, this is my mom. This sure. is all I know in my sure. family. Um, and then after we had kids, uh, Corey and I had our children, I think... There were some things that I would look at Brayden or Abby and be like, huh, so I wonder who does that look like? Or, mm-hmm. um, and obviously the genes run pretty strong. Yeah, that... that <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't I don't want to interrupt you here, but I will. I mean, this is, this is amazing. So I, I think that for me, my kids, like, they, they will, I will see things in them or people will see things in them and say, oh, you do that like your dad. And I'm like, well, that's probably because they spend every day with me or almost every day. And so they're always around me. And then I, then I ran into you two and I had this, we had this meeting last Saturday and I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, wait, okay, so there was like 35 years of gap here and they, their mannerisms are pretty, like, it's kind of eerie that. It's so creepy. Yeah, it yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. In a good way, but it's well, just really we, creepy. We look at each other and we're like, this is so weird. Yeah. I think one of the um, a side story when we first met was one of the funniest things was um, a few dear friends of mine were there Mm -hmm. um, to videotape and I remember Corey I I said to Corey well do you think it would be weird if I would ask Lisa if she would care if some of my friends came to take pictures and videotape and because I'm thinking people do that with their birth right sure so And so he was like, honestly, from all the emails you've been sharing and writing letters, I think it's weird, but I do not think she would think it's weird because you seem to be very similar. And so I asked her and she was like, oh my gosh, that's great. You know, I was wondering that too. So it is very strange um, with all of that. But um, as an adult, I think it was five years ago or so when I was just going through some cardiac issues Mm -hmm. that I was admitted into the hospital and (laughs) my mom was like I mean do you think it's probably good if I give you some information because they had always said we have what we we have very little but we would give it to you and I was like I guess that's probably wise so um hooked up to the heart telemetry monitor I'm reading this letter from the social worker um (laughs) who described Lisa her um physical appearance and then also her personality of being outgoing and warm and kind, but kind of stubborn. And <laughs> that's <Okay>. kind of... <laughs> at that moment, Corey was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, then getting into more details in that letter, her birthday was revealed. And she actually shares a birthday with our oldest, um, with Brayden. Mm. And yeah. so at that point, Corey was like, I think you should stop reading the letter. Your heart <laughs> monitor is going to set the nurses ah. back here. And yeah. So then that began, I think, more of the thought process of it. Um, 
Then fast forward, there was a time when uh, the kids and Corey and I went through this phase of watching Wheel of Fortune uh, two summers ago, and there was Family Week. It's on. good you can admit that in front of I like know, 300 people. No, don't judge. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so, so, so we were watching Wheel of I Fortune. I prefer Family was, Feud, but I'm going to go ahead. Well, I know, but it gets a little sketchy sometimes. It does. That's true. That's true. Can't watch it with the kids necessarily. Uh -uh, no, you got to yeah. monitor it. So we were watching, and there was um, a family combination. I don't remember if it was a mother or daughter or what it was, but I distinctly remember Brayden saying, Mom, like, don't you want to know um, what your mom looks like? And I guess I was like, wow, okay, so if he's thinking about it. Um, and I've always been open about my story, about being adopted. And then this summer, um, for years, um, a good friend of mine, was holding me accountable to reach out. And finally this summer, she's like, okay, you've been saying for a couple years now, you know, do you, is it something you want? And I said, it is. I just, I think what scares me is it'll be, I know it will be easy to find her. I just had this feeling that it would be, and it was. Um, and so I started the process this summer and um, our life was really busy. Um, and so then it kind of got pushed to the wayside, yeah. not for lack of desire, but it just did. Yeah. And then in the fall, Corey said, uh, "Hun, if you don't follow up with that social worker, she may possibly think that you're not interested. And honestly, she may look out for Lisa's benefit and not encourage yeah. a reunion yeah, sure. um, if you're not going to be consistent. And mm -hmm. so I was like, that's true. Um, so then I signed all the um, privacy papers and we went through with the procedure of finding her. And I had asked if it could be um, handwritten letters at first, mm -hmm. um, mailed through the agency just to protect uh, myself and my family. And Yeah, because you didn't know at that time. I knew nothing about yeah, Lisa. Right. Yep. Um, and I had said then, when the social worker asked me, you know, what is your desire of the relationship? And for me, I said, I'm, I feel very healthy-minded, um, and my identity being in Christ mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. I feel like I just want to say thank you. I mean, I can't imagine being 16 and having a baby and then having a baby with medical issues mm -hmm. and not knowing what, mm -hmm. what happened. And so for me, it was just wanting to say thank you and to let her know I was okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I just think about this um, as my faith had grown, thinking I want to have this audacious faith. And then what happens when when you're face to face with your creator. Mm. And if she didn't know him, yeah. I felt the weight of, I would have to answer to that. Mm. Where was my ownership in that? Um, mm. Because I had no idea if she knew the Lord. I knew she was from a Christian home, but that's not always how it stays that way. Sure. That, that you can't just inherit your faith yeah, from no, your parents. You don't, no. um, and so I said, I really thought, okay, well, I'm going to write this letter and I'm going to write it that if she doesn't know Jesus, that this could be just a small glimpse of a picture mm -hmm. of his beauty and mercy and goodness. Mm -hmm. And maybe even write it that if she did know him, it could just um, strengthen her faith. And then um, the social worker called and said, okay, well, she beat you to it. She's going to write the letter first. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fine with me. That makes my job easier. Yeah. And then in her written words, I could it was just very evident, her love for the Lord and her honesty about yeah. that she did not always walk with the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I tried to live a life too that is um, transparent and mm -hmm. real. And so I had a lot of um, just admiration about that. Yeah. So then um, it was the week of Christmas that I received her letter. Mm -hmm. And then we had written back and forth and talked about, um, 
you know, maybe we could get together and meet somewhere, mm -hmm. just her and I and our husbands, and then slowly introduce the kids to the whole idea. And <laughs> then... <laughs> Um, Somehow that didn't play out, did it? Yeah, that's mm. not Lisa and Amy. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Slowly and I just really, okay. <laughs> I really did just feel God's peace about it. I mean, truthfully, there were times <laughs> that I was, I don't want to say I was scared, um, but I was, I just really was reminded by my husband and um, just the Lord whispering kind of mm. like, I mean, I've got you. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. 35 years, and not that I didn't have hardship in my mm. life. It's not, I don't want to paint a picture that it was always perfect. Yeah. Um, but why would he fail me now? Mm -hmm. And if, he, if the relationship didn't um, proceed, I honestly really would have been fine. I'm mm. completely happy, well-loved, content with my family mm -hmm. and my husband and my children and mm -hmm. extended family. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, this is like a huge added blessing on mm -hmm. our life. So... Um, we responded back and forth through written letter and then email. Yeah. Um, and you both were kind of, when, I, when you were telling the story, when you were writing a letter to, to Amy, you were not tiptoeing around the gospel, because that's right. not, n neither one, I don't know yeah. either one of you to do that, but you were, you were graciously just putting out feelers there to see, hey, do you know the Lord? Is that yeah. part of your story? So you're both doing that at the yeah. same time, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then when um, a few weeks had passed and it was, there was a delay in my letter getting to Lisa from the office to Lisa. And now I think we all agree um, it was God's timing. Sure. Um, my husband lost um, his father in February. Mm -hmm. And it was literally, we buried him on Thursday. We had his service. Mm -hmm. And on Saturday, I received an email from Lisa. Um, and I felt that I wanted to address it um, because I didn't want her to think I wasn't responding. Yeah. But I just responded and asked um, for grace and just for time mm -hmm. that there was um, some family things going on that we needed to take care of. I wanted um, to be sensitive to my husband. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, she shared a picture of her family and her and I was like, oh, my word, I can't not share this with Corey. Mm -hmm. um, I share everything with him. But yeah. I didn't want to overshadow the sorrow sure. Sure. that he was feeling. And so then that night, <laughs> laying in bed, I was like, so I got an email from Lisa. And he's like, yeah. what? Like, how could you have gone all day and not tell me? Yeah. And um, so then he just in that moment said, um, we need to have them over. Yeah. Um, life is short. Mm -hmm. And so it was mm. the very next day. <laughs> taking said, it slow again, right? Taking it slow yeah, and cautious slow. and doing all the things yeah. that the books tell you to do. Yeah. Uh, and so there's books. People write stuff about this. <laughs> so we had them over. Yeah, we didn't read it. Um, but we invited them over for pizza. And Lisa said, okay, we'll bring brownies. And yeah. the kids were there. All the kids were there. Um, and I remember... In the kitchen, um, after they were teasing us about our mannerisms being the same, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember Sean, saying, Lisa's husband, um, saying, crediting my parents um, to my health and just my outlook on mm -hmm. the whole situation of reuniting mm -hmm. with her, mm -hmm. and saying that's because they raised you at looking at Lisa in a positive light yeah. and looking at her as that yeah. was the most loving gift that they could, um, that she said. could give me. And also to, um, 
Corey, that he mm-hmm. would welcome joy mm-hmm. and be so selfless in um, the mm. darkest hour yeah. of his life. Mm. Um, and it was great to be able to smile again and laugh, and, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of hit the ground running from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that brings me to a point that I wanted to, to mm-hmm. touch on, because from the outside looking in, as you look at this relationship, and there are so many... Uh, opportunities for hurt feelings, for uh, relationships to be strained. And as you look from the outside, not just the three of you, but there's a whole bunch of people that have kind of come together as just one big united family. And we would say around Amy, except I know deeper that that the Lord has been a huge part of this. Uh, But as people look in from the outside and they say, wow, how did these families come together? I think there's a thread there that you you could speak to. So maybe one or all of you want to speak to that. How has this been so seamless? You said you hit the ground running. Uh, but there was opportunity for Roger and Sandy to be bitter and push back and say, and I could even see for myself as I put myself in your shoes, like, yes, pursue that, but we're just going to stay at a distance because we don't want, you know, for whatever the reason may be. So maybe you can speak to, to some of that. Well, and to back up a little bit, they met in February, like a day after we left. La- we had been here that week and we left Saturday afternoon. And then I think you met the next day. And then we were in the process of getting ready to move from Iowa mm-hmm. to our in-law suite on Amy and Corey's property. With I like them. the way you say that, the in-law suites. We can't be an apartment because that means you're moving. We're never moving. Well, my again. in-laws live with us, and I always say in-law quarters, but suite oh. sounds so much nicer. So <laughs> I'm going to change sweet that. Sweet sounds yeah. nice, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so. You know, I'm in the process of packing and getting ready to move 1,200 miles and clean out and go from four bedrooms to 900 square feet. Yeah. And, and then she tells me about this reunion, <laughs> and I see all these pictures, and I'm thinking, oh, my word, they look like sisters. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> and they're not mother and daughter, they're sisters. Yeah. And it just, then we talked about it after we were here, and we talked about it, and so I just said to Amy, just set it up. Just set it up. It'll work. We'll, it'll just work. It'll all fall together. It'll be fine. And so she set it up for Palm Sunday that we would all be at their house. And Roger has now become the ice cream man. Yeah, I experienced that last Saturday. That was great. Because yeah. <laughs> he makes homemade ice cream. Yeah. And the Shea boys love it. Mm-hmm. And so we just met. And it was like, in my mind, it's like we have another daughter and a son and other son-in-law, and three more boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the relationship between the kids, I was, I was kind of blown away just by, Amy, how your kids look at Lisa's boys as uncles, and, and Lisa's boys look at you like an older sister. I think at one point one of them said that. And, and Well, I think Lisa was telling them not to tease their older sister or something like that. But uh, just yeah. how that, how that has, has played out has really been cool. And a testimony, I think, to the grace. That's the word that I would share there. The grace that you give one another uh, Lisa, you said something that stuck out to me about titles and how titles just aren't important because you know your identity is in Christ. And, and so it just gives you the grace to, to say, how, say things the way you, you, is on your heart and share, share on your heart and just speak to that. And that, that's, that's really neat. It's really cool. Um, 
last question I have for you, and it, it comes out of, as we look at this story, uh, there's a passage that has just kind of stood out to me. Uh, it's in Joel chapter 2, and God's speaking of the nation of Israel, but I think it's ap- apl- applicable here. He says, uh, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. So Israel went through a great time of, of mourning and, and through heartache and pain from what their disobedience, their sin, and, and God had led them into exile. And he says, I will, I will repay you. I will bring back to you. I will restore. And I think in this story, there's such a beautiful picture of that, of, of restoring the years that maybe had been lost. And so one, one question I want to ask you to, to close out here is, did you ever envision along this journey that you would get to this, the, to where you are today? Did you ever picture that this would be the place that you would get to? I don't think we ever really thought about it. Mm. Amy always knew she was adopted. I mean, her pet, her pet line was, I'm special because I'm adopted. <laughs> or she would tell the boys, well, they got stuck with you, but they picked me. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I don't, I don't think I ever... I don't think we ever really thought about it or talked about it, but it just, in my mind, like I said, we have another daughter, and we always wanted a couple girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, for me, no. I never would have pictured this. Um, I'm not one to hold expectations, um, not because I'm like a negative thinker, but mm. I just, I don't think that way in yeah. my head. Yeah. So when... Um, when we would email and write, and then when the relationship progressed, people would, you know, ask about how does that work? Like, is it weird? And I'm like, it's so weird that it's not weird. Like, it should be weird. But it's been very natural. And I really, for me personally, I think that that is, I have always felt um, pursued by the Lord. Mm. And so the idea of family and not living close, like my mom had said, they've lived in Iowa for the last 14 years. So Mm -hmm. not having my family close by, um, it opens me up, I think, in my heart to really having deep connections with mm-hmm. friendships and, and things like that. And I just think that that's a mirror picture of what God does. He mm-hmm. is relational. He designed us to be relational. Yeah. And so for me, it just seems natural that I would accept Lisa's family and in-law family and her mm-hmm. Susquehanna Township family mm-hmm. and yeah. all these people. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's a picture of heaven yeah. on earth. Yeah. I think to add to that, Chris... And we, I don't think we've addressed this at all, even with in our group meeting. But um, Lisa and a- Lisa was taking Amy to meet her sister and her cousins, and I just felt that it was very gracious that I was included in uh, that. I mean, they didn't need to include me right, yeah. in in that. And we just have, she has just so very graciously included included me and yeah. Roger in mm-hmm. in all of the family. Mm-hmm things and I just I just have to say I've really appreciated that it's good well I would like to say that um for 35 years I've wondered um what does she look like is she okay with the decision I made that she had no I know that now I know um that she had no choice in I made that decision um on her behalf Mm. um would she be upset with me? Did she love her parents? Was she happy? Was she content? Did she experience joy? Did she love Jesus? All those things. Did she, what were her likes and her interests? And when I would talk with my mom about it, my mom would say, if the day ever should come that the Lord would allow you to meet Amy, it will be 
more special than you could ever imagine. And she said, I said, but what will it be like? I mean, I'm not her mom. What, I don't know what it'll be like. And she said, it will be a special relationship with a unique connection. You won't be like mother and daughter because you didn't raise her. You know, her mom did. And so I remember thinking when all of this, as Amy shared our story of reconnecting, um, I remember thinking not being scared or fearful, but excited and apprehensive as to what, I mean, I guess I really just wanted to know what she was like mm -hmm. and if she was okay. So when we started to write back and forth, I could hear in her writing my vernacular, my uh -huh. style of communicating. And the more I read it, and I was reading her handwritten letter over the phone to my mom, she kept saying, oh, oh, Lisa, do you hear? Yeah. She talks like you. Yeah. Yeah. She writes like you. Oh, isn't the Lord good? Oh, the Lord is so good, she kept saying. Amen. So then when I met her, and I remember we, Sean and Corey and Amy and I were standing there talking, and she was telling me about her kids' sports, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's our life, too, running around after yeah. these little athletes. Yeah. And, and then something came up about this, this, her football community and her district, and, oh, you know, Amy's always taking kids to practice and buying them lunch, and I'm like, no, stop it. Stop <laughs> it right now. And just the way we love people, that is a testimony to the Lord, Amen. but to Sandy and Roger and to Walt and Mary yeah. for how they raised us um, and how they loved us and taught us the, the good and the, mm. and the service and the caring about others. Yeah. That, that comes from this woman and her yeah. husband and my mom and dad. Yeah. Um, and I just, the more we talk, we both went to hair school. We both love the beach. <laughs> we I mean, everything. I'm almost afraid when we get together that we're going to be wearing the same thing. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's our job. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it's just, it's, my mom is right. She's yeah. always right. Mm. It was better than I could have ever imagined, more beautiful than I could have anticipated, mm. and joy overflowing. Yeah. To just have my community of people so excited. I mean, I know Amy and I were excited about it, but to know that other people care and yeah. are interested, that yeah. I think that has probably been the most surprising thing to me, that our story matters to yeah. people. Yeah. It does, and the, and the Lord is, is definitely working through it. I, I want to say, we're out of time, but I want to say thank you so much for sharing the story, being willing to sit up here, be vulnerable in some areas of your life, share the story, uh, that it can bless others. So, so thanks. I want to I close this time out with a time of prayer, and then we'll, we'll uh, end the service here. So Father, we just come to you, and we stand in awe uh, of who you are. Uh, Father, we stand in awe of, of what you've created, what you've done, and in this story here with, with uh, Sandy and, and Amy and Lisa, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to them uh, and your work through them. Father, I pray this morning that you would, uh, again, work in our hearts, that we would be open to you and your healing. In Jesus' name, amen.